we see more people, you know, doing things, recreating. State park visitation is through the roof. Do you guys have predictions on what that's going, what the impact on over-the-counter licenses will be in Colorado? Do you see any changes to compared to past years because of COVID? That is the, if you want to, the fifty-four million dollar question. Hey guys, welcome back to the eHunter Newscast. I'm your host for this episode, Taryn Hunt. Before we get into the episode, I want to thank our title sponsor, Vortex Optics. Vortex supports everything that we do here at eHunter. We are grateful for them and their support. As you're getting ready for your hunts that are coming up as soon as next month or later in the fall, make sure that you check out vortexoptics.com for any rangefinders, rifle scopes, binoculars, any of your optics needs. Go check them out. On today's episode, I sit down with Randy Hampton. He's the public information officer for the Northwest region here in Colorado. We talk about the effects of the of COVID-19 on hunting in 2020 and how it'll affect your hunt later this fall or even again as soon as next month. He shares some great information on the effects it's had on the CPW as well as state parks and other areas. So if you have concerns or questions about how the coronavirus will affect your hunts this year, stay tuned to this podcast. If you guys have any questions, please reach out to us. Also, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We appreciate all your guys' guys' support. We greatly appreciate it. So, all right, guys, let's jump right into this podcast with Randy Hampton. All right, guys, welcome back to the eHunter Newscast. Excited to be back with you again for uh, this episode. Uh, this episode is near and dear to my heart because I live here in Colorado, and this is this is all about Colorado. And uh, so super excited to uh, record this podcast. Our guest today is Randy Hampton. He's the public information officer for the Northwest region of, of Colorado. Welcome to the call, Randy. Hey, thank you very much for having us. We're we're happy to be here. Always happy to to join you on the the podcast. Well, we appreciate. You know, I'm I'm really I'm so grateful for you guys. You know, I, I reached out to so many people, and you know, in my position as a, a podcast host, you know, I reach out to I, I shouldn't even say this, but I reach out to hundreds of people and ask, hey, you're you interested in recording a podcast? And I get turned down quite a bit. And so it's nice when I get a response back saying, hey, yeah, absolutely, let's hop on a podcast. So I, I sure appreciate you doing this with me. Hey, not a problem at all. It's what we're here for. Our job is to provide information to the public, and we're we're learning more and more about the ways, the new ways that people are getting their information. So it's kind of neat to be able to kind of narrow cast that out to the people that are interested in hearing about specific topics. Whereas in the past, we'd have to you know rely on a, a newspaper or a, a maybe a TV newscast to get information out there, and it, it, it doesn't always hit the right audience. So podcasting is something that you know we as an agency are really embracing and 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 trying to take on so we're always happy to happy to help you well i appreciate that you're absolutely right you know at e-hunter we have a, a written format on online where people can go online and, and read the articles that we put up there and the topic that we're going to talk about today we actually put up an article recently about that but it's interesting because you're right the, the the way information is delivered nowadays is so much different and podcasts especially it seems like for the hunting industry and actually i guess i should say for most everything you know podcast is kind of the way to go to to get a lot of that information and so um 
yeah, super excited to to have you on. I appreciate the department and your guys' willingness to to share this information. At eHunter, what we try to do um, is just, you know, kind of go to the source. You know, you, you can read a lot of stuff out there in newspapers and things like that, but it, it sure is helpful when we can go to the source uh, like yourself and, and get kind of the behind-the-scenes type of information. So, so really appreciate you doing that. Um, before we jump into the topic of today, Randy, if you wouldn't mind just Given a quick introduction of yourself, I, I read off your title, but if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what your role is, and things like that. Absolutely. So, you know, Taryn, as you, as you said, I'm the public information officer, the spokesperson for Colorado Parks and Wildlife's Northwest region. So my job is to communicate information to, to people that are out there. I started with the agency back in 2003. So about 17 years, we'll, we won't worry about the, the six years that I took a little bit of a vacation and lived in Hawaii, which was awesome, but um, you know, really glad to be back in Colorado, back home, doing what I love and talking about Colorado and the outdoors and Northwest Colorado and all the opportunities that it has, whether you are a wildlife watcher, a photographer, a angler or a sports person you're out there hunting um you know whatever colorado's got plenty to offer and i love talking about it so that's that's kind of my job i get paid to do it and it's, and people tell me all the time man you have the best job in the world and i think they're right i i'm pretty jealous i'm not gonna lie so i this is not my uh, full-time quote-unquote real job. I'm a nurse by trade, and I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. I wouldn't mind having your job talking about, you know, like you just said, the outdoors, the hunting, the fishing. I I could do that all day long. I wouldn't mind that. So, Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's, it's good stuff. I have a boss that, that tells me, hey, Randy, you know, get out there. Go go do stuff. You know, take, take your camper. Go visit that state park or, you know, anything in our region. Go do this. Go do that. We're, we're tracking wolves. Go, go check out where the wolves are. Go, you know. So I, I'm constantly not only you know encouraged to go out and do things, but getting to do it with my boss's good graces. So it, it works out really well, especially when I'm working from home with COVID. That we'll talk a lot more about. But working from home for for me means anywhere in my region. So I can just you know load everything up in the camper and 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 take off. And as long as I've got a cell signal and can get on and, and handle some emails and things it, it, it works out pretty well oh man that is pretty sweet and i think most there, there's gonna be a lot of people that listen to our podcast so we have a very heavy um listening audience in colorado so i think a lot of people will be familiar with you um you know a quick google search will show you pop up in a lot of places because um, you are you're that spokesperson for the northwest region of colorado and um you're the one that gets to to be, you know, kind of integrated in, in all of these things, and, and you're kind of the the mouth, I would say, for the Colorado mm-hmm. Parks and Wildlife for, for your region. So, well, you, you mentioned COVID, and that's really the topic that I want to spend um, the next little bit talking to you about. Um, we recent, recently released that article about um, the impact of COVID on Colorado hunting this year. And I'm sure this is going to impact years to come. I mean, it's a virus. It's not going to go away. Um, And so really, I wanted to bring you on the call, Randy, and just kind of pick your brain a little bit about what those 
impacts will be. And so I kind of want to kick it off by um, asking you really the question of, you know, kind of what has the Colorado Parks and Wildlife done um, to prepare for the impact of COVID? Have you guys made any changes? Um, I think we've seen a few of those as we've gone through the application process this year, but kind of what preparations did you all do to get prepared for the coronavirus this year? Well, you know, it was, it, it really comes at two levels, Taryn. There's a, there's a level of, of communication that, that's internal and a level of work that we do externally. And so a lot of the, the change within the agency was really the internal things. What's going on with the employees and, and how do we deal with that in terms of how we are accessible to our public? Mm-hmm. So, you know, early on we saw things like office closures, you know, where we were, were literally closing down uh, the offices and, and oftentimes people would come in as they were, they were filling out the hunting application. You know, they'd come in, they'd talk to the people in the office, they'd say, hey, I'm thinking about going here. What do you know? Um, you know, and, and, and getting that one-on-one kind of communication. Well, some of that didn't happen because those offices were closed down. And the offices are open again, but everything's really limited. Um, you know, we limit the number of people that can be in the offices and those kinds of things. And so, it's, it's a bit of a customer service challenge. Now, externally, there's been something really interesting that's happened. Everybody wants to go outside. I guess all you have to do, you know, we've, we've been working for years to encourage outdoor recreation. You know, right. it's just part of our job as an agency. We're like, oh, get outside, go do things, you know. Right. And, and you know, programs and classes and all these things to get people involved. And it turns out all we needed was a virus (laughs) because there are people all over the place getting outside. We see more people, you know, doing things, recreating. State park visitation is through the roof. And so we've got all these people going outside, hunting applications were up massively. Now, they're about level for out-of-state hunters, but in terms of in-state hunters, the, the hunting application numbers went way up. Fishing license sales are way up. We're seeing all of these things where everybody's getting outside. And so it, it really does kind of change the equation. And, you know, then there's all the rest of it, the unknown. What's next? Yeah. And and we don't know that. And so that's the hard part when you say, okay, you got, you know, wow, you got all these people that, that, that wanted to apply to hunt. But but what does that mean when the hunting seasons arrive? What does that mean for the guy coming in October? And that's a much harder question to answer. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I agree with you, you know, as I've been out, in fact, I went out just the other day and uh, was putting out some trail cameras on some, some of the areas that I'm, I'm looking to hunt here pretty soon. And I was blown away at how many people are out in the mountains right now. Like it, mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to get away from people. Whereas before, you know, you, you hike a couple miles in, you're, you're, you can kind of get by yourself, but it seems like they're everywhere now. So you're absolutely right. The, even from just a citizen's perspective, I, I'm seeing them out there. And, you know, you commented on the fact that, uh, hunting application numbers have gone up that's that's amazing to me and you say it's exponential it's not just just a little bit it's it's significant oh, yeah. how much it's gone up 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, and the numbers continue to come in. We just got numbers from, from what we call our secondary draw, which is actually new this year, at least in the way that it's been managed. Mm-hmm. And, and secondary draw applications were massively up in the, in the thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands, more applicants into that secondary draw than what we've ever seen before. Wow. Some of that's because we changed the rules, um, not knowing, you know, kind of COVID before it, it happened, but it, it certainly has impacted that. And even in the, the primary draw, the first draw, those application numbers, like I said, just exponentially thousands um, to the tune of about 40,000 more applications in the primary draw than we had last year. Oh, my and that's, goodness. That, yeah, I mean, so that's kind of crazy. And then when you break down those numbers and you start digging around in it, you know, a lot of elk and deer applications, but most of those those increases are coming from local hunters. Now, is that because, you know, Joe in Durango is, is going to go out hunting and he can't go or isn't sure that he'll be able to go to, you know, Montana this year, so he'll apply in Colorado. That's a possibility. That may be why we see those resident numbers up. At the same time, the non-resident numbers are about flat level. So it isn't that we're seeing non-resident hunters not apply. We're not seeing the kind of increases we see amongst residents, but we're still seeing the non-residents that are applying and saying, hey, come October, you know, November, I, I know where I'll be. And, and they're putting in, in, in the draw. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. That number is is kind of staggering and and on a, again it kind of makes sense to me you know and, and you, you talked about the secondary draw and just again from a personal standpoint you know i, I was looking to get a, a cow elk tag on that secondary mm-hmm. draw which i thought for sure you know that you know that would probably be a pretty easy one for me to get in the area that i was looking and i did not get it and but it makes sense mm-hmm. if the numbers applications were exponentially higher for the secondary draw as well yeah and success in elk on the secondary draw was about 80%. So, sorry. Oh, you were so in I'm the, just a minority. <laughs> <laughs> you landed in the 20%. Sorry about that. Oh, well, I, I know that I'm unlucky. I've got many places and states where I've got 20 <laughs> plus points and I still haven't drawn. So, <laughs> draw. um, unlucky is kind of my middle name. <laughs> hey, really quick question, actually, kind of to spin off of that a little bit as far as the, seeing the numbers of applications. Um, increase you know I, I saw an article recently in fact we published one on our site about uh, the need for a hunting license to attend or to um, access um, parks state wildlife areas yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. Has, have you seen it do you think part of the increase is because of that or is that just on the hunting license side well it hasn't actually you know it, it, it hasn't shown up in the numbers yet the the new regulation requires that anyone that's on a state wildlife area purchase a hunting or fishing license in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is all those state wildlife areas were purchased with sportsmen's dollars yep. for sportsperson's purposes. So, you know, to provide hunting access or fishing access or to provide habitat for, for you know, big game species or whatever. So those, those lands were bought and paid for by people who hunt and fish. And so the, the, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission looked at that and said, you know, people that are, that are participating, they're going out to some of these places. And if you go to some of these state wildlife areas that maybe have a pond, 
the pond that you used to fish in is suddenly covered with people on their stand-up paddle boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, all you're going to catch is, is, is another person if you're, you're out there <laughs> casting into that. And so we, we looked at that and we go, wow, you know, these, these anglers, these sportsmen are providing the funding for that, but the people that are using these properties otherwise have not contributed. You know, they don't put in. We are not uh, – our agency is not a public agency. It's a it's a fee-funded agency. Right. So there's no general fund tax revenue that goes to a state wildlife area for maintenance. Mm-hmm. That money comes from, from sports people, people who hunt and fish. And so the, the Parks and Wildlife Commission said, well, it's time that everybody participates. So, yeah, you can go there, and, and yeah, you can use your paddleboard, but you need to at least buy a hunting or a fishing license to support that. And, you know, for, for, for something that makes sense to the sports people of the world and, and everybody kind of goes, yeah, yeah, we applaud it. There's a whole bunch of people out there that went, oh, this is the most horrible thing ever. (laughs) So it's, it's, you know, it's turned into something that is, is kind of controversial. And yet it is, you know, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission standing up for the people who have kind of carried the burden financially for a long, long time. Like I said, we as sportsmen, we applaud it when it first got introduced and announced. You know, we we really uh, stood up and applauded it just because you're absolutely yeah. right. We feel like we've, uh, and I say we in general, you know, as sportsmen, we've we've put a lot of money into uh, those parks, and and so when the department made the decision to do this, we thought that was an an excellent idea, and I hope that other I hope other states follow suit with it. To be honest with you, I I, I think it's advantageous for the department is a great way to bring more funds in and with more funds that you you all can do more with it and make even better parks and places for us to go and take our families so yeah definitely appreciate it going back to uh the covid um the topic um i want to talk a little bit about over-the-counter licenses um i know you know that's probably going to be impacted a little bit by by the COVID, do you guys have predictions on what that's going, what the impact on over-the-counter licenses will be in Colorado? Do you see any changes to compared to past years because of COVID? That is the, if you want to, the fifty-four million dollar question. Yeah, you know, that's the big one. That is the one where you know a majority of our funding as an agency, on the wildlife side of the agency, comes from non-resident elk hunters. Yep, and. You know, we can divide it down any way you want to, but if we we really get down to the important stuff, non-resident elk hunters, many of those non-resident elk hunters are the guys that drive into Colorado, walk into the sporting goods store, and go, yeah, I need an over-the-counter bull license. Mm -hmm. And, And off they go. And that's such a big part of the revenue that it's super, super important, and yet we don't know from, you know, from day to day what might be different in 2020 when October comes. Right. Um, I think everybody, every person out there listening to this podcast gets it because things change on a daily basis with what you're allowed to do and not yeah. allowed to do and what you, what you have to wear and where you can go and where you can't go and how many people you can go with. And, and all of these things are constantly you know, coming at us from different directions. And so to, tr- to try and guess, is there going to be a, a second spike? Is this second wave coming? Is that going to come in, a, you know, in October and all of a sudden nobody gets to 
go from state to state or those things. We don't know. We hope not. We hope, you know, hey, everybody's paying attention and following the rules now so that, that we have a robust, thriving, you know, big game hunting season in Colorado when when those seasons pop up. We're getting closer. Yeah. You know, September archery season's just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. But we're not quite there yet and so, you know, hopefully everybody's doing what they can to to keep their communities safe and and I certainly think most of the communities in Colorado are doing what they can to to try to minimize things for that that hunting season. Especially in those communities, you know, where you go to to places like Craig and Meeker and these smaller towns that are, that it's their lifeblood, mm-hmm. the hunting season. They are right. so dependent on it that, you know, without it, 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 it really does hurt them. So right. I think people are doing everything they can to make sure that Colorado's ready. Um, and you know, that's all we can do. So as of right now, the plan, I mean, it, it's business as normal. Uh, we can, you know, for the non-residents that are listening to this podcast, for as of right now, come October, it's still planned that they could come into the state, purchase a, a over-the-counter license at a private vendor, or they can go online and buy a over-the-counter license. It, it's still business as normal as of right now uh, for over-the-counter. As yeah, as you know, as we talk, the plan is those those licenses are going to be available, okay. and you know there are no. People say, well, are there restrictions? Or, you know, are we going to be allowed to, to hunt? From from the Colorado Parks and Wildlife perspective, absolutely. Now, do things change a bit based on, you know, counties? Could a county come out and say, oh, well, we don't, you know, we don't want people here? Possibly. You know, we don't know those things at, at, at every local level. Mm-hmm. We think most counties, you know, millions and millions of dollars in in economic value that they gain from from hunting seasons but when you talk about something like a pandemic if it's bad could we see counties do things certainly yeah so what people need to to really kind of have in their pocket is be flexible you know and 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 just be ready to go and and i think everybody's got their fingers crossed Mm -hmm. now we understand that there's people that maybe can't come we we have a, a refund policy for, for medical emergencies. Um, right now, that refund policy is, ex- is extended to international visitors. So if a person from another country, if the hunting season shows up and that country says, no, you cannot travel, then they can apply for a refund. It hasn't been... We, we don't have that refund exemption set up yet for other states because none of those restrictions are in place. But down the road, if we get there, those are the kind of things we're going to have to talk about is how do we deal with, you know, the guy that got a license in the, in the primary draw, not necessarily that over-the-counter guy. How do we deal with the guy that got the license in the primary draw, and what if he's not able to travel? Right. So there's, there's big implications, scary implications, but we're not there yet, and I think everybody's, you know, like I said, pulling for, hey, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be a great year, and it'll be, you know, clean and easy, and and things will settle down. Well, I think everybody's really looking forward to this year, you know, especially with the date changes for some of these hunts and and things like that. You know, this is this has kind of been a year that many of us have looked at the calendar, thinking, oh, you know, twenty twenty is going to be a really 
fun year in Colorado with some of those day changes, especially for mule deer. And so, you know, you're really good at this, Randy, because you were kind of reading my mind as you were explaining that whole thing. Because as a question popped up in my mind, you were answering because I wondered about, you know, a reimbursement or a refund policy, if that would be a possibility, mm-hmm. um, um, things like that. And so so I guess for right now, for most people, most of us as hunters, most people listen to this podcast can still be hopeful, you know, still have that, you know, yeah, your fingers crossed that that things will still be open. It'll be business as normal when it comes time for September, Mm -hmm. October, November, and, and we'll still be able to hunt like we've, we've been able to do. There's no restrictions planned by the, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. There is nothing that, you know, we've, we, we are planning, but we are not, you know, moving forward with restrictions. We're, we're kind of looking at those, okay, what if, what if, what if things, because we want to be ready if something happens. But we're certainly, I think, like everybody else, you know, hoping for the best. So what I tell you is, you know, keep, uh, you know, keep doing the target shooting, keep you know, training yourself and, and getting in shape for that, that hike up that hill at 11,000 feet. Keep, you know, keep doing all those things. Make sure the camper's prepped um, because, darn it, for now, the Colorado big game hunting season is a go. Awesome. Now, does that mean things won't change? Who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. If I had a crystal <laughs> ball, <laughs> I would have bought Microsoft a long time. <laughs> if they change, I promise that uh, Randy and I will be on a call, and we will keep you guys updated on uh, what those changes are if they change. We'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed that they don't. Just make sure that when you're doing that training and getting ready for those hikes at 11,000 feet, you're doing it with a mask on because it is a requirement right now to wear a mask <laughs> in public areas right. in Colorado. And I'll tell you what, you know, the mountains are just as uh, crowded as the, the corner store down here right now. So, <laughs> Well, one good one – one good snowstorm and all the fair weather outdoor people will they'll 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 go home yes so, they will you know, <laughs> we'll be ready amen brother <laughs> amen <laughs> oh goodness well, that's good to know and i appreciate that information i know my yeah. my listeners will really appreciate that because as we posted that article that, you know that's that's most of the questions that we had come in they're just so nervous hey i drew this tag finally this year you know do you guys have any insight on what's going to happen is it still a go and you know where can i find information and so i th- I think this will if nothing else will bring them the confidence that you know it's still as of right now and again like you said we don't have a crystal ball we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring but as of right now that you those of you that have those tags rest assured that you know right now you're, you're still looking okay so will there be some still restrictions i'm sure <laughs> um one more question for you, Randy, before we sure. uh, we get out of here. Um, do you guys do you see any other repercussions? Or w- let me rephrase that. Are there any other repercussions that you're aware of from the coronavirus that relates to hunters in Colorado? Is there anything else going on that uh, hunters should know? You know, when it when it comes to coronavirus, when we talk about COVID nineteen it's it's a pretty simple answer of nah you know it's just it's just this this virus but i think there's a bigger picture thing out there that sports people really really need to be cognizant of because if you go to the origins or at least the supposed origins of of covid-19 of the coronavirus you know, it all goes back to these what they call wet markets in China, and they believe this originated probably comes from viruses in bats. So it is in its nature a zoonotic virus, one that originates 
from animals. And if we see this kind of an impact from that, after this all kind of settles down and people start to go, well, oh no, what's next? You know, or what could possibly threaten us? And as they take a look at those zoonotic diseases across the board, do we start to have bigger conversations about things like chronic wasting disease? For now, chronic wasting disease is a, is a, is a health issue that there's, there seems to be no evidence that it can make that jump from big game species to humans. And so for most sports people, they, they might test an animal for chronic wasting disease and they might, you know, pass on it if it, if it comes back as the positive test as we would recommend. But if, if chronic wasting disease changes as, as disease has a tendency to, to morph and change over time, what happens when, you know, 5% of the animals that are harvested may be positive for something that could cause bigger, bigger health questions for the hunter, for the person that consumes it. That's the kind of thing that can really threaten the, the entire tradition of hunting. And so I think disease is something as sports people, we need to be cautious, cognizant about, we need to be doing things like, um, you know, testing for chronic wasting disease, even when it's voluntary in units and making sure that the scientists, the, the researchers with organizations like Colorado Parks and Wildlife have enough information to, to understand it, to track it, to, to respond to it, to search for, you know, cures and, and, and ways to, to minimize it and, and to pull off the, you know, the management changes that have to occur. So COVID-19 is just COVID-19. But I think over time, bigger questions come around and are there other diseases and issues that are out there that we're just not aware of right now um, that that we need to be um, really, really watching for and and talking about and 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 making sure that we all know what's going on and, and that we may be able to respond to it better. So it's a good question. And I'm glad you asked it. Yeah, well, and that should get a lot of people's attention as well, because I think there are a lot of people that, yeah, this is this is COVID and, it, and it, it's just COVID. But when you think about disease as a whole and, and these viruses and, and the impact that it could have on a passion that a lot of us, you know, I'm not going to say dedicate our life to, but, you know, for myself, I'll speak for myself, hunting is a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and without it, that'd be a pretty big hole. And one thing that could take it away from me is disease. You know, and like you said, sure. chronic wasting disease hasn't done it yet. Um, are there other viruses that will pop up? Absolutely. I mean, that's the world in which we live nowadays. There's always sure. going to be a new virus, a, a new strain. I mean, just like COVID-19, COVID's been around for a long time. This is a new strain of it. And so could there be a, a new strain that's passed between, like you said, that this is an animal-based mm-hmm. virus or, you know, originated from an animal, you know, could this pass between animal and human and then develop into a different kind of strain and that starts killing the population of animals and before we know it we're not able to to hunt and enjoy the passion that we all love so much so you're absolutely right randy and i appreciate you you saying that and i hope that resonates in a lot of our listeners that listen to this podcast that 
we do. We do. We need to be aware of these things. We need to be informed of these things, and we need to make sure that those that can do something about it, the prof- professionals in this field, um, are able to have what they need to be able to help control well, this as much it, as we can control it. You know, it's easy to it's easy to sit back and and to think, or at least it was six months ago, and to think, boy, we don't want to talk about you know chronic wasting disease that way because what if you know. What if it starts having impacts just because people have fear? And, and unfortunately, what we've seen now is we can't be complacent. We have to have these conversations because yeah. um, complacency and not understanding something, not having all the scientific facts leads us to a world where we are responding on a day-to-day basis as we have seen with COVID as you know, governments at all levels try to figure out, you know, what science to trust this week. Mm-hmm. And and so we don't want to end up there. We have to be having these conversations and chronic wasting disease is one that that I think we we owe it to ourselves as sports people to to talk about openly, to make sure we're researching and not just to close up and go, "Oh, that'll never happen to hunting." Cuz I will tell you this, 2 years ago I be, you know, go to a concert and I go, it's just great that we get to go to concerts and it'll, nothing will ever change that. And, you know, welcome to 2020, the year of, you know, quiet amphitheaters. So, <laughs> you know, we, you can sit back and go, oh, well, it'll never, you know, it'll never do anything to hunting. Hunting's just, you know, it's tradition. It's the way it's always been. Well, that may not be as true anymore. We hope that it'll, it'll never change, um, that it'll never be something that's taken away from us. But we, we darn well better be researching and doing the work um, or, or, you know, we get left behind. Yeah. Well, look how quickly things changed. I mean, we, we, sure. we changed an entire world in a matter of days and weeks when the coronavirus hit. And the, our whole hunting, you know, life, like I said, our, our passion could change even quicker. It could be one day something happens, some a virus of some kind, and it could be chronic wasting disease as it evolves. And boom, flip of the switch, and, and we're not able to enjoy the passions that we, we love so much. And so you're absolutely right, Randy. Um, I really I appreciate you you bringing that up. That's that's a great comment and, and a great way to, to end this podcast and, and let people kind of think on that a little bit and, and do what they feel is necessary. Be involved, everybody that's listening. You know, Be involved, be informed, uh, participate, uh, get out there, get educated, um, do everything you can to to help continue to continue this passion, continuing the opportunity that we have to to be in the outdoors, be with, um, you know, be in, be where we want to be. I always want to be in the outdoors, and uh, Randy and I kind of talked about it before we we hit the record button that uh, his job lets him do that. Or maybe we maybe we did it after you hit the record button, but you could be where <laughs> you want to be all the time, and that that's a fantastic right. place to be, and that's where we all kind of strive to be. <laughs> Well, well, Terry, we appreciate you. We appreciate the podcast. We really, you know, and I would, I would just say if, if people are listening, stay involved. Um, you know, there seems to be the, the, the opposition to, to hunting, the opposition to, to some of the management things that our agency does is very outspoken and is very, very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's a challenge for the, the, the commissioners, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commissioners. You mentioned the state wildlife area thing they're hearing from a lot of people that go, Oh no, it's not fair to make me buy a fishing license. I don't support fishing. And, you know, it's easy to sit back and go, well, tell them not to go on the state wildlife area then. 
But it's not that simple for sometimes for commissioners that are, you know, responding to concerns from the public. They need to hear from sports people as well. They need people that, that say, you know, they send a quick email and say, hey, I support this, or I, I support more research for chronic wasting disease, or I really appreciate the fact that Colorado was one of the few states that kept state parks open throughout all of the, the virus stuff and weren't shutting us out and giving us nowhere to go. Communicate the things you like um, with with those that you know that, that support similar things, talk to the the commissioners, talk to the people at the agency, and and let them know. And for those of you that are in other states, do it in your state. Yes. Um, you know, sports people need to be uh, need to be talking, and and need to be encouraging the the agencies that that try and manage all of this stuff, um, because we're getting lots of you know lots of noise from from people that that maybe don't support or don't understand. Um, and, and oftentimes supporters kind of sit back. Yeah. It's kind of our tendency to be quiet, be, to be kind sure. of that conservative, you know, we, we kind of sit back and, and aren't loud and, and sometimes sure. we need to be. Randy, let me ask you this. Where's the best way to contact folks in regards to those? Or if people have questions even about our topic today, where, where, how's the best way to contact the, the department? Absolutely best thing to do, go to our website, CPW state.co.us cpw colorado parks and wildlife cpw.state.co.us and just you know you can go from in there there's a there's a tab for about us that'll lead you to the the parks and wildlife commission and contact information for those folks as well as you know information on all of our offices if if you need information from us we try to do a very very good job about communicating with our public we want sports people to be successful in our state we want them to come out and help us achieve our management goals um, and that harvest is really really important to keeping our herds healthy and vital um, and doing things like managing chronic wasting disease by making sure that that we're harvesting you know deer that are that are more likely to be susceptible to it so you know, the, the, all the goals are there, but all the information is there. Everything's available, cpw.state.co.us. Awesome. Thank you, sir. And we will try, everybody, we will try to keep you updated as possible. We try to share as much as we can from, you know, what the Colorado Parks and Wildlife posts on social media to uh, press releases that they put out there. We try to keep you all informed on our website as well, ehunter.com. That's E-H-U-N-T-R.com. Um, we'll try to keep you up to date as as things come out and then if it, as things change with the covid coronavirus issue as we get closer to hunting season if if there are major changes um i will try to get randy on another call and uh get some more information out to you guys so randy i want to thank you again appreciate you taking the time with me today uh, appreciate all that you guys are doing there at the department um and uh if we can help out in any way just let us know okay we'll do that we'll do that thank you so much for, uh, for having us on giving us a few minutes oh uh, my pleasure thank you you have a great day okay you too. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. Thanks again for joining us on this podcast. Appreciate you guys and your support. Again, want to thank Vortex Optics for all that they do for us. Also want to thank Sneak Tech Boots. Sneak Tech has been a sponsor of the podcast this month. We are grateful for them, their partnership, and the relationship that we have with them. Those guys are awesome. If you guys haven't checked out Sneak Tech Boots, Go online, uh, check them out, grab you some of those boots. We're getting really close to archery season. And if you're a spot and stock kind of archery hunter, I promise you, you'll want those boots 
uh, clipped onto your backpack. They are truly awesome. So again, that's Sneak Tech Boots. Go check them out. Again, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Be sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, see you guys.